This is Your Calls Media Roundtable. I'm Rose Aguilar. Now we are going to discuss coverage of abortion in the U.S. and the fate of Mifepristone, the widely used abortion pill. Matthew Kaczmarek, a far-right federal Trump-appointed judge in Texas, is expected to issue a ruling any day now, which could ban Mifepristone. Yesterday, Walgreens confirmed that it will not dispense abortion pills in several states where abortion remains legal, according to Politico, where the abortion pill remains legal. Nearly 200 human rights organizations and experts are calling on the United Nations to intervene over the destruction of abortion rights in the U.S., according to The Guardian. Joining us are two guests. Jody Jacobson is former president and editor-in-chief of Rewire News, where she led a team of editors and journalists reporting on reproductive and sexual health rights and justice. Hi, Jody. Thank you so much for joining us again. Hey, Rose. Thanks, as always, for having me. Carter Sherman is a reporter for Vice News covering gender, reproductive health, and sexual violence. Carter Sherman's reporting for Vice News on the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey was nominated for a Webby. Hi, Carter. Thank you so much for joining us again. Hey there. Thanks for having me. Well, I just want to ask you, let's start with you, Carter, because as it stands right now, uh, according to, to the latest from Guttmacher, 12 states have enforced a near total ban on abortion with very limited exceptions. In five states, the ban's being challenged in court, but it remains in effect. So given that in so many states, you ju- you cannot access abortion, can you talk about the importance of mifepristone and how widely it is being used today? Yeah, so I think one of the most important things to remember here when we look at the state of abortion access in the United States is that you don't necessarily have to get an abortion only in clinics. There is a thriving underground abortion pill network that many people are now turning to in the wake of Roe v. Wade's overturning. And those abortion pills that you can access through that network include mifepristone and misoprostol, which are the two drugs that are typically used in a medication abortion in the United States. Um, I have recently been speaking with sources who told me that in the six months following the overturning of Roe, which happened in June and December, there was an estimated at least 20,000 abortion pills that were shipped out to folks in the United States. And what that says is that mifepristone is remains very important to folks when they're trying to think about what they want to do with their pregnancies. And Jody, this is so, so different than what we saw when we first got the Roe ruling, we saw so many back alley abortions and so many women died. But as Carter said, we now have a pill that basically gives people the, the right um, and the option to not have to go to a clinic and have a medical procedure. And these pills are just life saving for so many people. Yes. I mean, when you look at the data, roughly 60 percent almost 60%, not quite 60% of abortions today are um, through medication abortion. And so it's it's a regular form of abortion care. Um, oftentimes it is administered in clinic settings, but it doesn't have to be administered in clinic settings. And so now that, of course, clinics are um, both more rarely accessible even than they were before. People have less and less access as as you were just discussing. And because there are online means of getting abortion care um, and procuring medication abortion, 
um, people are using it. And, and as Carter mentioned, the data that we do have, we don't even know really the true extent of what number of people are using medication abortion because people are ordering it from abroad. They're ordering it from people, uh, providers in the states who are mailing pills from states where abortion is legal to states where abortion is not legal. Um, So there is a thriving network of people getting abortion pills and um, managing their care on their own and being supported by various different means like uh, the miscarriage and abortion hotline, for example. So with respect to, you know, the ultimate goal of ending abortion, quote unquote, which will never happen um, because people always take matters into their own hands, medication abortion has in fact become more widely used and more widely accepted. And that's how people are managing their own fertility and their lives. Carter, can you talk about the challenges involved in getting your hands on medication abortion today if you live in a state with extreme anti-choice laws on the books? I think it's important to say first and foremost that it can be safe to self-manage your own abortion. The World Health Organization has a protocol that they recommend, multiple protocols that they recommend for doing so early on in pregnancy. But just because something is medically safe doesn't mean that it's without legal risks. Now, most states in this country do not ban self-managing your abortion. Abortion bans, where they do exist, typically target abortion providers, not patients. That said, experts have long said that If a prosecutor wants to go after you for self-managing your abortion, they will find a statute that is pliable enough to do that. Between 2000 and 2020, there were at least 61 cases of people being criminalized for being involved in a self-managed abortion in some way. And in fact, there was a recent arrest that occurred this week in South Carolina that allegedly involved a woman who took abortion pills and then went to the hospital, told medical personnel that she had taken abortion pills and then was charged for doing so. Now, she's in South Carolina, which is one of the states where it is explicitly illegal to self-manage your abortion. But I think folks should really be aware that if you are self-managing an abortion, even if you are being medically safe, you might face legal repercussions. And I think it's also important to note that in the cases that we know of where people were criminalized for self-managing their abortion, in 45% of those cases, they the police were tipped off by healthcare professionals or social workers. So this social safety net that might be in place to help people can actually be turned against them. And what happened to these people? I mean, there were a variety of outcomes, but, you know, in general, if you face criminal consequences, even if you end up walking away, you don't end up going to jail, you could still face lifelong consequences. You could lose out on housing, you could lose out on jobs. And, you know, this is not something where you just brush off your knees and have no problem moving forward. And this is also not to mention like the intense trauma that can come from being criminalized. Wow. 
what are your responses? What are your thoughts on the news that just came out last night from Politico? Uh, I just want to read this from Alice Miranda Olstein. The nation's second largest pharmacy chain said it will not dispense abortion pills in several states where they remain legal. Nearly two dozen Republican state attorney, attorneys general wrote to Walgreens in February threatening legal action if the company began distributing the drugs, which have become the nation's most popular method for ending a pregnancy. Uh, Jody, what are your thoughts on this? So I think, you know, it, it's like the least surprising news of the week or the year. I mean, this is what the effort is, is to close off any avenue people might have to manage their own lives and bodies. And um, I'm not surprised that Walgreens being a corporation um, has, you know, uh, has capitulated to this. I think it's horrific. This is a safe method of abortion care. Um, it's FDA approved. It's, as Carter mentioned earlier, WHO approved. It's been tested um, ad infinitum. And, uh, you know, it's it's a medication and also a medication regimen and separately that are used in other circumstances, other health circumstances. So, I'm not only not surprised, I'm enraged by Walgreens doing this. Um, And, you know, I think that this is where we are, where we have a rabid, virulent, quite literally fascist movement in this country to close out all avenues of ability to control your own life, your sexuality, your ability to communicate with people, freedom of speech, it's all under attack. And this is part of it. And corporations are, you know, very, um, very uh, responsive to attack, right? So unless there's a coordinated effort to counter what these attorneys general are doing with Walgreens, then the, the Walgreens will just continue along its way. I just want to say one thing in regard to what what Carter was mentioning earlier. You know, I think it's really important that we pay attention to the issues around um, criminalizing people who manage their care. Um, I just want to also put it in context. It is absolutely problematic and also a basic human rights violation for people to be criminalized for managing their own bodies and their own futures. That said, there is no time in history when abortion was not available and abortions, you know, available legally when abortions did not happen. My own mother had a pre-row abortion and almost died from complications. So Mm -hmm. this is very personal to me. And, um, and also it's, you know, part of the research I've done all my life to look into where and how people get abortions when abortion is illegal. So the, the issue of criminalization is very real. I'm working right now with a coalition of doctors and lawyers and advocates that are providing abortion care from across state lines. And it's really a harm reduction approach. It's an approach that says if we can get pills more quickly to people who need them, and we can give them guidance, not only on how to use them, but provide safe avenues for them to get advice should they have problems with, let's say, you know, extensive bleeding or what have you, we can reduce the harm of criminalizing abortion care. We will never eliminate it when abortion bans are in place. Um, So I I just want to balance the fact that it's not the fact that people are getting pills 
that's the problem. It's the laws that are the problem. It's the criminalization that is the problem because people are going to manage, you know, pregnancy no matter what. And they will go to the lengths of, you know, actually harming themselves to do it. And I think we have to look at the balance on the other end that forced pregnancy brings, which is higher rates of um, poverty, higher rates of suicide, higher rates of poor health. So I just I just want to make sure we're like keeping the big picture here. Um, Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned this, Jody, because what I'm noticing in the major media the stories that seem to be getting the most attention now are about the moms who wanted their children, but there was some sort of fetal abnormality or something went wrong. And because of these extreme laws, they couldn't get help in their own state. Um, They may have reached a point of dealing with sepsis and they're so outraged by this that they go to the media and tell their stories and I'm, I'm so glad they're doing that. But it is interesting because I actually, I wanted to ask you, Carter, just hearing Jody talk about, you know, people harming themselves because they're going to do whatever it takes. I, I'm just not seeing that many stories about that. Um, I've, I've read a lot of your reporting. You've, you've done so many great reports about what's happening on the ground. So do we know if that is happening right now? If people are ending up hurting themselves because they're trying to end a pregnancy? Yeah, or because they're afraid of being criminalized. I mean, I think that this is one of those things that's going to come out further over time. We're still really trying to piece together what the landscape of abortion access looks like after Roe. And, you know, when you ban abortion, to Jody's point, you're not necessarily going to stop people from having abortions, but you are going to push them further into the shadows. And they, there might be cases where people really need help and they're not going to go to doctors because they're afraid that doctors will rat them out to the cops. Again, um, you know, medication abortion can be very safe. Mifepristone itself has been said by experts to be one of the most studied drugs on the market. It is safer than penicillin. It is safer than Viagra. It is 18 times safer than childbirth. Um, But we just don't know. And I think one of the things that I'm really waiting to see is I think we're going to see at some point the story of the first person to die because they tried to get an abortion and they couldn't for some reason. And, you know, I've covered abortion for a really long time. And for a long time, it was really hard to get folks to pay attention to it. It was hard to get folks to pay attention to the threat to Roe v. Wade. And so I just worry about what it takes to get people to pay attention to this issue because, you know, abortion can be very stigmatized and people are just not willing to speak about it openly. Right. We should also mention that that group of Republican attorneys general who basically put the pressure on Walgreens and they caved saying, you know, you're not going to disperse abortion pills uh, in states where we object. They have also written to CVS, Albertsons, Rite Aid, Costco, Walmart and Kroger. So we're waiting to see how they respond. I I also want to get your take on the ruling that we are expecting any day now. The judge who is going to rule on the legality of Mifepristone is Matthew Kazmarek. He was nominated to the U.S. District Court in Amarillo in 2017 and again in 2019 by Donald Trump. He was confirmed by the Senate in a nearly party line vote with Republican Senator Susan Collins of Maine opposing his nomination. 
The Wall Street Journal had a lengthy piece about him recently, and we learned that he was raised by two born-again Christians in the suburbs of Fort Worth. He and his two sisters attended the West Freeway Church of Christ, a part of a group of Christian churches that emphasizes the importance of biblical scripture. The freeway community permeated every aspect of their lives, according to his sister. Uh, Jody, he sounds like a hardcore Christian nationalist. And this is the man who has the power over what is going to happen with abortion pills in this country. He is a hardcore Christian nationalist. I mean, by any definition, he is. That's what he is. And that's, you know, those are the kinds of people that the Federalist Society and the GOP have put into um, into the judiciary at every turn. So um, that is who he is. I mean, I think that obviously this lawsuit is of great concern because it doesn't just affect Texas, it affects the whole country. That said, you know, there are some folks who are extremely well-versed in both FDA law, constitutional law, and reproductive law um, who have, you know, countered that even if he does have an adverse ruling, there are a lot of ways in which any ruling would not at least immediately affect availability of mifepristone because there's our specific means through which the FDA would have to go to withdraw approval of a drug and the a judge can't circumvent that process. Um, the FDA doesn't have to enforce any law that the, uh, that the judge might put forth or any command that he puts forth. There are a lot of different ways in which I think that it's possible this may not be the horror show that we are hoping it isn't um, because of the different ways in which people have analyzed law. Carter, what are your thoughts? I mean, I think we'll see what happens. I think someone described this judge to me as a loose cannon, quote unquote. I mean, he has a track record of being willing to take a hammer to national policy. And so I think however he rules, that is going to have an impact in some way, even if that's just making people more afraid to try and go out and get abortions. Because to my point about folks not necessarily paying much attention, there can be so much um, confusion and misinformation about abortion that regardless of what this rule ruling is, people might just see a headline and really freak out. Before Roe was overturned, this happened all the time. Whenever some new splashy abortion restriction would be in the news, abortion clinics would be called by frantic patients wondering if they could still get their abortions. Um, One of the things I want to flag that I am keeping an eye on in this lawsuit is that aside from sort of the main argument that gets made in this lawsuit about why mifepristone should get yanked off the market, the anti-abortion groups that uh, filed this lawsuit also cite something that's called the Comstock Act. And they also say that the Comstock Act is could be another reason to pull abortion pills off the market. And the Comstock Act is a 19th century um, anti-obscenity law. And I'm starting to see the Comstock Act get cited by a lot of people, a lot of anti-abortion activists, when they're trying to find new ways to ban abortion, including in states that have abortion protections. In fact, this letter that the uh, Republican attorneys general sent out to Walgreens and CVS, they cite the Comstock Act as a reason that these pharmacies should not be dispensing uh, medication abortion pills. 
And so I'm really curious to see what this judge does, if anything, with this Comstock Act claim, because I think that that's something that if he touches it and he says this is a good argument, we could start to see that proliferate across the country. Wow. What are your thoughts about what we heard from Senator Ron Wyden, a Democrat of Oregon? Uh, Ms. Magazine reports that he's a longtime advocate of access to abortion pills. He said President Biden and the FDA must ignore the ruling if this judge does ban it. He says the FBA should go on, FDA should go on just as it has for the last 23 years since it first approved Mifepristone. The FDA needs to keep this medication on the market without interruption, regardless of what the ruling says. Doctors and pharmacies should go about their jobs like nothing has changed. What are your thoughts on that, Carter? I mean, I don't know the exact law behind their ability to do that. I think one of the things that I'm hearing from anti-abortion folks, is that they really feel like the FDA has been weaponized by the Biden administration. And frankly, it's really dangerous when people start to think that the Food and Drug Administration, which is there to keep us all safe, has been weaponized and what they're saying isn't real and can't be trusted because the FDA does deal with a lot of stuff that are not abortion pills. And so if people start to really lose their faith in government and start to go against the FDA in this way, I'm really worried about what this is going to say for all kinds of issues in the United States, because I think as we all know, uh, you know, sometimes it feels like the democracy is teetering on the edge here. Hmm. Can we end with you both just telling us uh, some stories that are going on on the ground out there that you think deserve more attention? Um, NPR had a piece yesterday yesterday called Texas, uh, Texas doctors are actually speaking in code about abortion because they're afraid they're going to get in trouble. Uh, The progressive has a piece about how these baby boxes are being installed in so many locations that they're quietly shaping a national infrastructure. That is where you can basically leave a child. No questions asked. It's, it's a very pretty shocking that these boxes are now popping up all over the place, according to the progressive. Uh, Carter, you've got an interesting piece about what's happening in New Mexico, how people are traveling to New Mexico to have access to care. Can you just give us a, a thumbnail sketch of that piece? Yeah, so I went to New Mexico several weeks ago to kind of take a look at what I think is now one of the front lines of the abortion battle in the United States and how New Mexico being a liberal stronghold on the edges of the Red South is quickly becoming not only a destination for people who are seeking abortions, but also for anti-abortion activists who are going there to try and pioneer new tactics of taking down abortion access. That includes, at times, citing the Comstock Act. And um, I think that one of the things that I was really struck by when I was there is just, you know, People who are looking for abortions are oftentimes demonized in the media or, as you said, really held up as someone who's like, I'm a mom and I really wanted this child, but I can't have them. And like so many of the people I spoke with um, at this abortion clinic that I visited were just folks who were not yet ready to have a child or were not ready to have another child. And I think it's easy to forget that, you know, prior to Roe v. Wade being overturned, it was very common for people to get abortions. And so... You know, as whatever stories are happening and are being reported in the media, there are so many more that are not being reported because they're deemed too common or too ordinary. And I think oftentimes those are the stories we really need to be paying attention to because that is also a part of abortion access in this country right now. Yeah. And another piece that you 
recently wrote, and I hope listeners can read it, in a new report about minors denied abortions in Florida, judges evidently deemed one kid too shy to be mature enough for an abortion and another too curt. So these stories are just so important. And final thoughts from you, Jody. We've got about a minute left. Well, I just want to put again in context the fact that the FDA has been attacked by the anti-choice movement for decades. Um, it, Mifepristone itself was, you know, be, made politicized when it was being approved by the anti-choice movement, and FDA was politicized around the COVID epidemic. I mean, there's just so much politicizing of the FDA that has gone on, and I think it goes back to Carter's point earlier, which is we continue to fail to see early signs of what the intentions are of this radical movement. It's an anti-democratic movement and the um, anti-choice piece is a part of it. And we've ignored it for so long. I mean, they've talked about reinstating Comstock for two decades because they want to get rid of contraception also, but nobody will believe that. And so we kind of let it grow and metastasize until they've finally filled the judiciary and the Supreme Court with people who would be likely to reinstall the Comstock Act. So, I think there's two things happening here. We're in a new era altogether where people can self-manage abortions. They are able to get access to self-managed care um, or the means of self-managed care. And we can put in place harm reduction strategies similar to what the HIV movement did when, um, you know, drugs were unavailable and similar to what harm reduction does in the um, uh addiction community and then also sorry jody we are we are out of time jody jacobson and carter sherman thank you both so much for joining us and thank you for joining us i'm rose aguilar it's your call